Our presentation today is on gratitude by Eileen Hakus. Eileen Hakus is a member of Prairie and has been a UU for 30 years. Eileen has presented homilies to congregations in Colorado, Arizona, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. Welcome, Eileen. American author, poet, and civil rights activist Maya Angelou relates a story about the first time she learned a lesson about gratitude. There was a time when I was in a state of utter despair, immersed in guilt over promises made on which I had not delivered. I went to my vocal coach, Fred Wilkerson, weeping copiously. He asked, what was the matter? I responded, I'm going crazy. I'm almost at the brink of suicide. He offered me a legal-sized lined yellow pad and pen. He said, write down your blessings. Furious that he didn't understand my condition, I shouted, don't talk nonsense. I'm telling you I'm going crazy. He said, write down that you could hear me say, write down. And think of the millions who cannot hear the cries of their babies or the sweet words of their beloveds, or the alarm that could help them seek safety. Write down that you can see this yellow pad and think of the millions on this planet who cannot see the smiles of their growing children, or the delight on the faces of their beloveds, or the colors of the sunrise and the softness of the twilight. Write down that you know how to write Write down that you know how to read. Wilkie, as he was known, gave me that lesson in 1955. 55 years later, I have written 31 books, essays, plays, and lyrics for songs, all on yellow pads. I remain in an attitude of gratitude. Unitarian Universalist minister Patricio Tomimo writes, we all hunger from the moment we are born for all sorts of things, for our mother's milk, for shelter, for attention, for love, for things to work out, and for our dreams to come true. To hunger is part and parcel of the human condition, and our hunger runs deep. Hunger is an apt theme for the month of the holiday of Thanksgiving, for the essence of the holiday is at least in part an attempt to counter the desires within human nature. Exaggerating this tendency toward want is our culture where every day millions of advertising dollars go toward making us feel that who we are and what we have is not enough. Thanksgiving makes time for us to aspire to something beyond consumerism, beyond what we want. The ritual of Thanksgiving gives us an opportunity to practice gratitude for what we have. However, even during a time of year dedicated to thankfulness, it may not be easy. 
for despite the quantity of food most of, most of us will see at our Thanksgiving tables, few of us will celebrate having everything we want. Grown children might be spending the holiday with their in-laws, or the mood of the family that does gather might be marred by old resentments. Concern about our nation's politics, wars, terrorism, and climate change might weigh heavily upon us. We may doubt whether we have the will or the power to make a difference. Our craving for a more just and peaceful world will most certainly be great this Thanksgiving. But Thanksgiving is a time when we focus not even upon our loftiest goals and desires, but on what we have. It is a time set aside to reflect upon our lives and acknowledge the everyday gifts we so often overlook. Even briefly focusing upon what we appreciate can create peace inside. Letting go of desire allows us to rest in the beauty of what is. But how can feeling grateful help a couple going through a difficult divorce, or the father of three who can't find a decent paying job. Gratitude can't always fix what is broken, but it can restore balance to our hearts and minds. In his article, Given Thanks, David Hockman writes, gratitude is never so important as during those times when everything appears to be lost. I discovered that truth when I began driving a friend with lymphoma to the hospital for his chemotherapy treatments. Despite his suffering, or perhaps because of it, our connection grew more meaningful. My friend said, I realized when I got sick that I'd spent years worrying about things that mean absolutely nothing. Celebrating life while it's here is the most important thing now. Studies have shown that the benefits of practicing gratitude are nearly endless. Research by University of California psychologist Robert Emmons reveals that keeping a gratitude journal, regularly writing brief reflections on moments for which we're thankful, for just three weeks can significantly increase well-being and satisfaction with life and even lower blood pressure. People who take the time to notice and reflect upon things they're thankful for report experiencing more positive emotions, feeling more alive, sleeping better, expressing more compassion, and having stronger immune systems. We are familiar with the story of the first Thanksgiving, which took place in 1621 among the pilgrims who settled in Massachusetts Bay. Their first year in the New World was arduous, and nearly half of them died. Nonetheless, at the end of that year, John Bradford, the Pilgrim's governor, declared three days of rest, a time set aside to enjoy the fruits of the harvest. They had much to be grateful for, their survival, and the fact that they were free to worship in their own way. But taking time to celebrate didn't mean that they were safe or established or that their future was assured. They knew that the severe hardships they faced would continue. Still, 
they responded to the call to pause, to reflect, and to give thanks. But gratitude has two components. The first is an affirmation of goodness, that there are good things in the world and gifts and benefits that we've received. The second is understanding where the goodness comes from, which is often outside of ourselves. While we can appreciate our own positive traits, we can also acknowledge our humble dependence on others, other people, or even a higher power. Thanksgiving as we know it today was established by Abraham Lincoln's presidential proclamation after the Civil War of Gettysburg. He wrote, it is the duty of nations as well of men to own their dependence upon the overruling power of God. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have wealth as no nation has before. But we have vainly imagined that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own, too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of grace. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens to set apart the last Thursday of November as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelt in the heavens. Now, while the concept of a beneficent father dwelling in the heavens may not ring true, the benefit of humbly practicing gratitude every day does. Lincoln's words can remind us not to, remind, not to assume that we prosper solely because of some special virtue we possess, or even because we've worked harder than someone else. Much of what we have, we have because we are lucky. Setting aside for a moment the Hindu belief that karma creates the circumstances of our birth and life, we might reflect upon the fact that the good fortune of being born at this country, at this time in history, was not a result of our own merit or deservingness. Lincoln's words encourage us to be humble and to leave room for grace. Human will is important, but it is only part of the equation. We live in a plentiful culture, and we do not necessarily need to have someone to be grateful to. Gratitude may simply be an organic response to an event or circumstance which moves us. The enlightened mystic Osho tells a story about a Zen monk named Rengetsu who was on a pilgrimage. She came to a village at sunset and begged for lodging for the night. But the villagers would not help her and slammed their doors. She took shelter in the fields under a cherry tree. At midnight, the cold awakened her. Shivering, she looked up and saw the fully open cherry blossoms glowing in the light of the full moon. Overcome with their beauty, she said a prayer of thanks to the villagers. Through their kindness, in refusing me lodging, I found myself beneath the blossoms on the night of this misty moon. She thanked the people of the village and existence, for had they not denied her lodging, 
she would have missed the blessing of that silent night. She was not resentful, she was grateful. This Zen story teaches that each moment, life presents us with a thousand and one gifts. If our minds are preoccupied with what we lack, we miss those gifts. We find fulfillment in the moments we appreciate what we have. The sun, the rain, even the air we breathe come from a bountiful existence. Our friends and loved ones also come to us as gifts beyond ourselves. The sun shines the same way for the grateful and the ungrateful. Rain falls on the gardens of those who give thanks and those who don't. However, there is a difference between them. The thankful person experiences a sense of harmony with the universe. The overwhelming responsibility that most of us carry, consciously or unconsciously most of the time, lifts. When our spirits are truly thankful, we can experience that sense of let go or surrender so often associated with profound states of consciousness and peak experience. The shift from living in a state of desire to a state of gratitude moment to moment is neither easy nor instant, but we can cultivate the feeling of living in a state of grace, a state beyond personal will. And if we practice opening ourselves to noticing the good, we may find that our lives are filled more with blessings than misfortune. In addition to the benefit afforded us personally, awareness of our abundance encourages us to give to others. Unitarian Universalist minister Suzelle Lynch says, when we practice gratitude, it is as though we are taking a gentle chisel to the rough stones of our hearts. We begin by chipping out a small, rough cup, perhaps big enough for only a thimbleful of love. But for each gratitude felt, we hollow out more and more, ending with smooth, rounded vessels that might overflow with feeling. With each occasion of gratitude, our hearts become more open to receiving life's blessing and joys and passing them on to others. Evidence of this can be seen in the groundswell of community support during the holidays for food pantries and the creation of gift baskets delivered to neighbors less fortunate than ourselves. Gazing upon the abundance in our shopping carts, sharing with others is an obvious response. Gratitude moves us into communion with others, reminding us that we are all connected and must therefore care for each other. Cultivating gratitude takes practice. It is not as natural to us as desire. It is, in fact, a personal choice and may even be a spiritual discipline. For those who are rarely thankful are rarely satisfied. Such individuals live life in the misery of endless craving, a life in which there is never enough. Gratitude gives us a rest from the endless yearning for things we think we need. Remembering Rengetsu, who was filled with gratitude, 
despite the fact that she was refused shelter by the villagers. The pilgrims who took time to give thanks, even though their lives were precarious. And Abraham Lincoln, who invited our nation to practice giving thanks, even when war raged. Let us be mindful of the blessings we possess, pausing whenever we can to experience the power of gratitude. Let's share. Thank you so much, Eileen.